This is Hope FM. Well, uh, Paul White is my very special guest today. And if you've got a very good uh, c- community night memory, you'll know that probably about a month ago, it was about a month ago now, Paul, wasn't it? Yeah. That we uh, we got to talking. And, of course, we spent a lot of time talking about about you and about the Prayer House Church, of which you are the lead pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we, we got five minutes on the book, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, time just went, didn't it? it? It did. But it was all good stuff. Now, today, of course, we want to talk a wee bit more about about the Christ thing, which is the title of uh, of your book. Um, so tell us, what was it that inspired you? Just remind us, what inspired you to write it? Well, um, I was reading Isaiah 61 and obviously linking forward to when Jesus stood up in the temple, uh, the synagogue, um, at the outset of his earthly ministry and he read that that piece of scripture and then he said today this scripture is is fulfilled in your midst and he basically applied all of that to himself so the spirit of the sovereign lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor and i i realized that the word anointing or anointed one is the word we have as christ it's a Greek, that's the Greek word for anointed, which means painted or smeared or covered in ointment. And uh, the word in Hebrew is Mashiach, which is from where we get the word Messiah. And so Jesus's name, Jesus, the Christed one. I realized that all of this is about being filled with the Holy Spirit, as he talks about in Isaiah 61. And he took that and he said, today... This is fulfilled in your midst. Basically, I'm here as the fulfillment of all of this. And I thought, wow, then that surely then follows that the ones who also are filled with the Holy Spirit, his disciples, who he fills with his spirit, must have the same mandate to come and bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, and so on and so on. And it really just became like sort of dominoes kind of cascading in my mind and my heart as I reflected on this over the next few days and weeks and I realized that wow this wasn't just some a couple of sermons to preach on a Sunday this was this could be a whole book yeah. and in fact you could probably spend a year or two yeah <laughs> speaking about this yeah, subject of course. Yeah. Uh, now for the completely uninitiated we know that Jesus you know warned his disciples that he was going to the cross and yep. of course they were a bit shocked by all of that <laughs> oh no um, but but of course then Jesus said but don't be concerned because although I'm going away I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit yep. but I think that do you think that there's, there's a lot of confusion about exactly who the Holy Spirit is never mind what the Holy Spirit does what, what did Jesus mean when he said I'm going to send you another comforter was the term that he used yeah I think there is confusion, and I think we get, you know, we, I think the whole concept of God, the three in one, the Trinity, you know, is is a challenge anyway, isn't it, for our little finite minds? But I think to um, it's very easy. I think particularly in a certain kind of emphasis of church to almost miss out the Holy Spirit because he. It's in a sense the Father is obvious and the Son is obvious, but the Holy Spirit is more mystical. We can't, you know, it's and it's harder to pin down, perhaps, you know, clearly what his purpose role is, purpose. Yeah, but Jesus said, "I'm going, and I'm going to send another Comforter." But he, he the word he uses there, it's like one of the same as myself so he says i'm going to send you another comforter i.e another one exactly the same as me but he's going to be with you always so jesus could only be physically present in one place at one time because he had one human body that was the one they nailed to the cross the one that was resurrected from the tomb we understand that but then he said i'm gonna send my spirit who's going to be with you always and then that it ties in with a prophecy right back in the book of Joel where God says in in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and so the genius of sending the Holy Spirit is that God can literally fill any number of people with his very nature and his spirit at the same time now if we have 
difficulty in understanding that even today with, with all of the, of, the, of the biblical accounts that we have, the disciples had even more trouble, didn't they? And they, they didn't quite get it, did they? I, I just I can't even imagine what they thought he meant by that. <laughs> you know, whether they thought, oh, we're going to get another Jesus. And then they then he says, oh, right, you need to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes on you. So well, he told them to do nothing, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, just stay put. Just wait. And I think, I don't know, but these guys were probably, there would be a fair percentage of them who were activists, weren't they? Who were used to doing stuff and making things happen. And I'm sure they were thinking, oh, I'm going to go mad sitting in this upper room praying another day. You know, and it's like <laughs> yeah. suddenly, boom. Yeah. I don't suppose anyone had any idea that it would be like that when the Holy Spirit yeah. did come. And I suppose that Jesus was their inspiration. And as you said, he was there in the flesh. He walked with him. He talked with him. Yeah. He, they watched, sometimes amazed at the things that he said and did. And, of course, very often the things that were in the opposite to what they would expect, you know, I mean, coming in and to Jerusalem on a donkey oh, instead of completely. a you know, white yeah. steed or whatever yeah. like that, you know, coming to rule, <laughs> sort out those Romans. Um, but, of course, the opposite then happened. But but I guess that, that the crucifixion itself, I mean, obviously Peter, you know, we, we know about his denial and we, we know that Jesus had said that Peter would do that. But it must have been so incredible, not just for Peter, but for all the disciples, uh, because, you know, it, Jesus w- had been murdered effectively. Absolutely. I, I I can't imagine what it must have been like for Peter to have that sense of not only is Jesus not here anymore, but it's my fault because I denied him and I didn't stand up for him and I'm such a pathetic follower, you know, and yeah. he would have had all... Because we always have um, regret when someone close to us dies we always think oh if i'd have just said this or if i could have just done that yeah and i'm sure peter would have reproached himself endlessly and, over and those. he probably remembered that jesus had said before yeah. that cock crows yeah know? i mean that that was pretty awful it was like a knife to the heart i would think mm. <laughs> although you know the best best bit i like about that account, you know when you know when jesus has resurrected yeah and uh and he he, he sends the message you know to to the women to go back and tell the disciples mm-hmm. but he actually in one of the biblical accounts singles out and says go tell the disciples and Peter yes. uh, oh, I love that bit you sweet know, yeah tell Peter you know <laughs> uh, so it's, it must have been the best news ever oh, for Peter can you imagine yeah now, obviously we're talking about about your book uh, and uh, all of, pretty much all of what you're sharing today is in the book in one mm-hmm. form uh, you know or, or another now we talked about there a uh, moment or two just before about Jesus saying that he was going to send the comforter mm-hmm. that he was going to send the Holy Spirit and that he would indwell uh, not only the disciples but but every believer but is it just in the new testament is it just from jesus that the holy spirit appears now you you mentioned the prophet joel yes but actually even before joel yeah who wrote hundreds of years you know before the appearance of the holy spirit the holy spirit was present wasn't he yes he certainly was and you know right back in the creation story which has been uh you know, kind of reinterpreted and reimagined recently, you know, many, many times by many different people. There's the, the, the Genesis account says that the Holy Spirit was brooding over the waters. He was brooding over the face of the deep. And it's and the, the word there is the same word we have when a mother hen sits on her nest and she's incubating. And so when God is about to speak into that kind of whatever it was like, the chaotic pre kind of creation, there's the Holy Spirit brooding and then God's voice booms out, ba-doom, and let there be light. And, of course, it all happens. And, you know, so we we know that right there, even at the moment of creation, the Holy Spirit was involved and, you know, kind of activating the Word of God, really. Mm. So in, in your book, what aspects then of the Holy Spirit did you bring out, sort of pre, uh, uh, you know, sort of pre-New Testament? Well, I... I kind of saw little things that I realized actually, do you know what? He's hidden in plain sight throughout the Old Testament, but you kind of need possibly the New Testament like a pair of glasses to put on 
to then go back over the Old Testament and there he is suddenly. It's a bit like Jesus. When he arrived on the scene, the scribes and the Pharisees didn't recognize him because they were looking, they had a particular way of reading the Old Testament. And uh, so they, when Jesus arrived and said, I'm the Messiah, basically they're thinking, well, no, because the Messiah isn't like you. The Messiah doesn't do that. And <laughs> didn't fit the picture. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, probably going back over the Old Testament, we realize that, yeah, the Holy Spirit is very much there. He's running through these stories in different, um, uh, sometimes in, in a kind of, image type of way mm. like but then you have these really clear um very explicit descriptions of like say when king saul and king david were anointed as king um first saul and then later david that the 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 language actually says very clearly that in that moment of anointing with physical oil something happened to them as well on the inside and they were transformed on the inside and God gave them power to be the king. And of course, Saul initially was a very good king yeah. and we, he gets a bad rap because he didn't finish well and he got swallowed up in his own insecurities and all the rest of it. But then David comes along and is this new guy. Um, God says, he's a man after my own heart. But when Samuel, the prophet, poured oil over him the the scripture says that david was changed into a new person so that power and presence was actually there <clears throat> you probably have heard that, that that little verse you know if i get this right so it's uh, the new is in the old concealed yeah and the old is by the new revealed good, have you yeah. heard that before yes i, I, yeah, I, I really good. like that because yeah. uh, because i guess that the, the wonderful thing about the bible is it is constantly pointing isn't it and uh, i mean the, the prophetic pointing to what was to be yeah. and of course it's still pointing Absolutely. to what is still to be although we've mm. seen quite a lot of fulfillment mm. coming back to the the uh, contemporary what was the first time that you encountered the concept of the holy spirit well i was a young person i was at um, blanford school and i'd grown up in church i'd kn i knew bible stories very well i actually loved the bible i'd begun to read it um and then i through various means encountered people who were talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and particularly speaking in tongues and I had a certain prejudice towards it because I thought well for my age I'm I'm pretty well up on the Bible <laughs> it's kind of like yeah had a degree of pride I guess and you know kind of complacency in my you're a bit of a northern <laughs> in some yeah. in some respects yeah <clears throat> excuse me and um so i had this kind of sense that if anyone would know about this i would know about it which is <laughs> yes, just yes. so oh horrible isn't it <laughs> but um you know so then i came across these people who were talking about the holy spirit and talking about speaking in tongues and i thought mm, i'm not even sure you're even a christian do you know what i mean and so there was a bit of suspicion and do you think it may be off the devil well, I, I, I wouldn't. I didn't want to go that far. You but weren't I, that strong. I did have some prejudice against mm, them. Sure. Yeah. But then I went to a prayer meeting, which was in the Baptist Church in Gillingham in Dorset, uh, which we used to go go to in the mornings. I went to this prayer meeting for a girl who had been um, hit by a motorbike and had really bad in physical injuries as a result, and it was life threatening. She had. Um, bone marrow in her blood and this kind of thing and so there's a real level of um anxiety about this girl <clears throat> and there was some there was a guy who i'd never seen before and it turns out he was the pastor of the church who would eventually pray for me to receive the holy spirit and he was from shaftesbury and i remember him praying and he put his hand in the air when he was praying i thought oh that's odd but there was something about his voice and the way he spoke to God. I thought, I think this guy knows God, actually. 
Do you know what I mean? And it was, and uh, in, in then my kind of defence just began to crumble, and and you so know, you became intrigued. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. but of course that's not uncommon, isn't it? Because I th- I think that, I mean, like yourself, you know, I've met some people, and um, and of course when you when you even talk about you I mean you mentioned tongues as one mm-hmm. of the gifts and we'll talk about that along with the other gifts as we go on to the program but uh, but of course the, i suppose there's a sense of being out of control isn't there yeah you know and uh, goodness gracious with this babbledygook you know what on earth is that yeah um and and, and i think maybe for some people that particularly those people who um who are, who want to not depart from the truth, which is which mm-hmm. is a good place to be. Yeah. But suddenly you're on ground with these things, which is perhaps a little bit uncertain. Mm. And there is that's that question mark that goes with it. Is this really God? Yeah. And I I I really didn't want to number one have anything that was fake, and number two depart from the truth into a kind of misguided kind of load of twaddle kind of stuff yeah and and of course there are there is a lot of twaddle about a lot of things right there isn't it yeah and i think the 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 thing about the the um the culture of church i grew up in it was very um it was very rational it was very located in the mind it was very cerebral so there was a there was a scripture text to back you know this and that and this is what this scripture says and this is what this one says and so therefore we believe this and it was very um i think it was very much on a mind and rational kind of level and so to then begin to entertain the possibility that there might be a an experience which could be had <clears throat> that wasn't just purely about understanding what the Bible says, but it was actually about experiencing something deep on the inside. Uh, that was a that was a whole new thing for me. So I would use the word mystical now with great confidence and very cheerfully, um, you know, and be excited about that. That actually there is a mystical dimension to to being a Christian and having a relationship with God, obviously, because you can't see him anyway. So it doesn't, <laughs> so it's going to have to be mystical, isn't it? To some extent. And, uh, uh, but, but back then I was like very, I would have been very hesitant and would have had all mm. kinds of objections. But I'm sure there'd be lots of people even listening to you right now, Paul, that, that would, would reflect that, you know. That, mm-hmm. uh, and I suppose in some ways that, 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 that is, I suppose it's a good thing and a bad thing. Yeah. It's a good thing that there's that check with all of us, yeah. you know, is this real? Is this, yeah. because we don't want falsehood, you know, we don't want to be going up dark alleyways. So in that sense, it's good and, and particularly testing against scripture. But at the same time, I suppose that the learning to trust and to let go and let God mm-hmm. uh, and take us into areas which are, I suppose, outside of our control. And I, I suppose that, that that's the scary bit, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's the letting go. And I think at the stage of my development in my late teens, I'd come through the sixth form where we were starting to really um, engage in critical thinking, I think. And I realised that i transitioned from childhood where you take things on trust to much more of a kind of adult perspective where you think about things and you rationalize and you kind of you know you ask questions and uh, you know interrogate the assumption if you like and so um but i think as well along with that had come a degree of a slightly cynicism i a slightly cynical spirit in me where i you know that that ability to feel and connect with something on that deep emotional kind of personal level i think i i kind of departed from that a bit and uh, so to i i kind of feared that maybe the gap was too wide for me to the bridge bridge yeah, yeah. 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 Paul White uh, is my special guest today, and, and he has uh, written a book called The Christing. Uh, it's about the, the work uh, and person of the Holy Spirit, packed full of great stuff. And we're talking uh, re- really about the same subject matter. And now, we, obviously, we talked about uh, about your 
experiences and your cautiousness. So when did the crunch come for you? So, so you were rightly concerned. Is this real? Uh, and then I think you said that you'd met the, the, the pastor who you, you thought, well, actually, there is something about this man. Yeah, I didn't actually meet him on that occasion. I just heard him pray. But what I think what was one of the clinchers was my sister went off to the Dale's Bible Week, which was a big thing um, that I didn't really I didn't know about. But it was happening up in the north of England at Harrogate. And uh, she had gone off to college to train to be a teacher and some friends had gone with her to the Bible Week. And when she got back, she was noticeably different. And she was kind of very smiley and very serene and all this kind of stuff. And she said, oh, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking, oh, OK. I've heard this before. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, she met up with the guy who'd been my patrol leader in Scouts. And he'd also had the same experience. And they said, shall we meet together to pray? And I'm thinking, I guess we could. <laughs> so I'm in this room with my sister and my ex-patrol leader from Scouts and they're like praying and they've got this they both got this same smile on their face when they're praying I thought do you know what I don't think I've ever seen anyone with a soppy grin on their face praying before it's always been a serious business and uh, you know but I could see that they were both different and I thought well now I'm annoyed because (laughs) 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 if there's anything out there going that I haven't got I really want it And so I was just on the cusp of leaving the sixth form to go off to art college when I would come to Bournemouth, as it happened, Um, because back in those days, you had to do a foundation course was was based at Shelley Park and the little art college there. And and I thought, you know what, if I'm going to go to art college, I need everything there is of God. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be plunged into this hotbed of everything. You know, I, if I haven't got the full whack, my full rights as a Christian, (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to drown. And, but it was the Christmas, um, of that, that, um, term that really, where I really had the encounter with God that changed my life. Mm. Before we talk about it, let, let's talk a wee bit, because obviously you've, a couple of times you've mentioned this term, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that maybe makes people a bit angry uh, is the fact, well, you know, I, I have got the Holy Spirit with me. Yeah. Now, and of course, it is true to say that, that the conversion experience, the sort of moving from darkness to mm-hmm. light or lifting the veil of understanding, it's of course a work of the Holy Spirit, but how would you de- explain this somebody who said well hold on a minute you know i have the holy spirit are you saying to me that i haven't i think that is is such an interesting topic which i don't think i want to really uh overcommit because on the one hand i think yes the holy spirit is very much involved in anyone's turning from their way of life pre-jesus to jesus so when they when we turn to jesus um jesus said you're born of the spirit so what happens in us is we are born again and that's a work that the holy spirit does in us and it begins a process of regeneration and our values change and he changes us our our whole kind of perception even our understanding to some absolutely so um but then there uh john the baptist said of jesus when he meaning jesus who comes after me comes he will baptize with the holy spirit and with fire and so the the word baptize means to submerge and so if we could imagine being submerged in the holy spirit as you would be in water, if absolutely. You so, yeah. so when we baptize people, we usually baptize them in the sea, which is a pretty um, immersive experience, to say the yes. least. <laughs> <laughs> You're literally splashed into this freezing cold sea, and the waves come up, and you know, and oh, it's it's a memorable occasion. And so, um, but. I I believe that to be immersed in the Holy Spirit is something we know about. I don't think it just happens, oh, must have happened, you know, in the past. I I think what 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 um what John the Baptist was talking about was something that would be life changing, and obviously, 
conversion is life changing. But I think there's something where we can and I don't I I also wouldn't want to limit it to a one off experience. So, oh, yeah, I became a Christian. Then I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. And that's That's me done. But actually, (laughs) it's more like I'm immersed in him and I'm that baptism, that kind of immersion is going on and is happening. And I think then throughout my life, I've had times where I've really felt overwhelmed again by him and that supernatural glorious experience of his presence you know transforming me again and it kind of it's like another big breaker perhaps you might say another big wave comes over and and i suppose there must be a fair number of people who who certainly are clear about the fact that they're christians mm-hmm. but who haven't had that baptism of the holy spirit experience and, and and i can understand why and i guess you and i were both in the position mm-hmm. where for me i thought there were first and second class christians you know I said, sure. <laughs> yeah you know and, and of course you were in that spot i don't know whether you you felt a bit second class looking at your sister or whatever yeah I, it certainly did feel like there was something missing for me and then um, it kind of put me on a bit of a quest and I went around a lot of churches looking for something but I I felt a bit like Abraham you go into a city but you don't know where it is and you'll know what it's like when you get there kind of thing sure. um, and I, I, I suppose I was looking for something and I, I don't think it necessarily had to be I had a preconceived idea of what it would be but it's a bit like I imagined that when I would fall in love with someone, I would know I had. And so I thought then surely it's going to be a bit like that with this, that afterwards I'll know something's happened. <laughs> so there you, know you are. Yeah, you have the prayer meeting with your sister and, mm. uh, and her friend. And um, when did the penny drop? Well, I, I, I remember she had an old cassette tape of worship music from the bible week well that in itself was novel to me because we we had a a record player with some hymn singing on it as my dad used to call it (laughs) (laughs) and i used to like that i used to enjoy listening to the was it traditional yeah yeah proper you know from some evangelistic meeting where lots of people singing with great gusto and that was great but when my sister, she was in the bath and she had the cassette player outside the bathroom door and she was playing this music and there was something going on when that music played that turned me to mush on the inside. Mm. And I felt like, oh, God, you've snuck up on me. You've <laughs> ambushed me somehow. And now I, whatever that is that I'm feeling, that I'm experiencing, I just want more of it. And I think what I was experiencing was the the tangible sense of the presence of God. That's that's how I would articulate that now. And that's become very much part of my life that I look for that connection with him on a daily basis. So it's not just like oh, that was my yeah, was mountain your, your top experience. experience. Yeah, but yeah. but I actually mm-hmm. kind of and pursuing that on a on a daily basis. Well, we'll get to the why a wee bit later mm-hmm. on because I, I guess the why uh, and the purpose of uh, of yeah. the Holy Spirit indwelling us and and of course we've mentioned tongues, but tongues is one of a multiplicity of gifts which you talk about mm-hmm. in the, in, you know in the book, and we'll talk about that. that. Um, so, you when did it really happen for you? Well, it was um, it was around it was that Christmas holiday that my first you know term had finished at Bournemouth Art College, and I came home um, to spend Christmas with my family, and my sisters were both there, and they both now had this experience. My older sister and my younger sister. So you got two of them onto you now. Yeah, yeah, and they said, "Oh, there's a church in Shaftesbury that." is into this. Stuff. What about your dad, by the way? Because obviously you, you would have had him to talk to, wouldn't you? Yeah, my dad was was a real sincere, devout believer, as was my mum, and they were kind of very supportive of us pursuing God. Mm-hmm. They wanted us to do that. Mm-hmm. So they didn't pour any caution onto this thing because they could see, I think they could see the changes in my sisters and they you know, they could see that it was good. You know, they could see the fruit of what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so they didn't pour cold water on it or be scornful, but I think they just kind of perhaps adopted a step back, step back and just watch type of thing. Um, but then I went up to the church and I saw these people with their hands in the air. But it was that feeling that had kind of overwhelmed me from the cassette music, cassette, cassette player music came on me again when I was in this place and I thought, wow, this is it. This is what I... You felt a presence of God. Yeah, mm. yeah. And then that evening I was getting the car out to take my sisters up to Shaftesbury and um, I heard this little voice that I'd never heard before and it wasn't particularly audible, but I knew it was with words and I knew it. It happened, you know, so it was tonight's the night. And so I drove with this great sense of excitement and God really just enveloped me that evening. It was beautiful. 90.1 Hope FM and hopefm.com If you looked at the before and after, you know, uh, how would you describe it, Paul? Well, literally, Sunday night, I'm in this moment with God. Then Monday morning, I'm back at college. So term has started. And I I'm thinking, well, this is really going to be the acid test. Did what happened last night carry over till Monday morning? Mm. Well, of course it did. I woke up with joy in my heart. I woke up feeling alive. And I remember walking along the beach somewhere down on the um, from Shelley Park. And I felt as if the top of my head had been lifted off. And the sun was shining directly in. <laughs> and it was as if the <clears throat> there would there had been some kind of invisible ceiling that had prevented my real communion with God, my real flow of communication with God, um into maybe set pieces of prayers and going to church and that kind of thing. Um, but it was like suddenly there I was and, and the, I'd, I'd never heard the expression open heaven before. But now looking back, it felt as if heaven was open to me in a whole different way. And I do go into the subject of open heaven, which is another Christian cliche, unfortunately, but in some circles. Mm. But it, 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 that would have been that would have described how it felt. And I could see the difference in my life at college in that real kind of hotbed of all sorts of ideas Mm -hmm. and practices Mm -hmm. and things like that. And of course, in in an ever-increasing secular world, and and some of the stuff, of course, which is coming out, you know, really quite quite an alarming rate, you know, Mm -hmm. now, which I guess we shouldn't be surprised about because the Bible talks about things Mm -hmm. getting worse before they get better, doesn't it? Um, But let's talk a little bit about the why, because I guess the Holy Spirit's linked to that word dynamis, or Mm -hmm. uh, which is about power. Yeah, basically. So it's a part to live the Christian life. Yeah. Now, um, tongues, of course, is very often the 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 most probably the the most significant sign of having been filled w- with the Spirit. But of course, along with 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 that baptism comes the full range yeah. of gifts, and yeah. they are, they are pretty. They're many, aren't they? Yeah, and probably. Gifts for every occasion. Yeah, is that the best way of saying it? I think it's a how, good did you, way of how did you deal with it in the book? Um, I think what I what I bring out in the book is that really, it was always God's plan to use ordinary people, and the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, but I think in the New Testament as well, doesn't shrink away from giving us the warts and all kind of picture of its heroes, mm-hmm. and so in contrast to maybe. Greek or classical literature, the Bible paints pictures that are very humble and ordinary of people. And yet when the Spirit of God comes on them, they are transformed. And and I think we were just talking about Peter just before. Um, and he was quite an impetuous, rough and ready fisherman who I'm sure he was very practical, the kind of guy you'd really want to be with you in a crisis. Yeah, he can get things done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yet he... You know, the Bible doesn't shrink back. He absolutely betrays. He doesn't betray Jesus. He denies him three Mm. times, denies all knowledge of him. 
and swears and curses, you know, and then filled with remorse. But when the Holy Spirit comes on Peter at, on the day of Pentecost, when the fire comes and boom, you know, everything happens. Peter's an entirely different guy. And suddenly he's articulate. He's a spokesman. He's preaching. 3,000 people choose to follow Jesus as a result of Peter's kind of first ever preach. Mm. Well, maybe not first ever, but his first... Major public one. Yeah. And probably a lot of antagonists in that crowd. You would have thought so, wouldn't you? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, don't forget, they just crucified Jesus a few weeks before. So that, you know, and and uh, but suddenly there's this kind of guy who stands up and he's on fire. And I, I think that's the thing that excites me is what the Holy Spirit does when he gets hold of an ordinary man or woman or young person. And history is full of examples that we know that have been recorded. But there are so many a num innumerable um people who will never have a book written about them who will never write a book mm. who will never be famous but yet they've been transformed by the holy spirit and they transform the world they live in and sometimes it will be through the obvious operation of a spiritual gift such as healing um, or um, a word of knowledge, a, a kind of insight or revelation about a person they're talking to that they could only have known if God had revealed it to them. Let's talk a wee bit about some of the outworking of that. I mean, mm -hmm. when I first discovered, like, the word of knowledge and yeah. discernment, I called discernment that, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, you, you get that sense of, uh-oh, yeah. <laughs> bit of a check in your spirit. Yeah. But in terms of the word of knowledge, I mean, imagine you're in an argument with somebody and uh, as we all end mm -hmm. up, you know, and, and uh, whatever. But then all of a sudden you, 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 you switch on your spiritual ears. Yeah. And then... Uh, the word of knowledge brings revelation, but a revelation not not to pull somebody down, yeah. but maybe to unlock, you know, yeah. maybe the real cause of hurt. Yeah. And, of course, the other thing is sometimes when people are hurting, but they don't know why they're hurting. Yeah. How have you experienced, you know, I mean, not just n knowledge, but some of the other gifts? Because clearly here we are and you're growing a church mm -hmm. in a secular world mm. of hurting people where if ever we needed power and spiritual gifting, mm. it's right now. Absolutely. Um, the I think the word of knowledge is a great example. And, you know, there are probably people who are very, very bold who just say, oh, God, show me this. I tend to put it in more of a question um, yep. format. So I say, um, does this does, mean something? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've I've had many occasions where I've... How did you know that? ...kind of, like, stepped out and they're like, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, hmm. And, and I think it's just that sense that God knows. And I had a friend, he's a an older guy. He does appear in the book. He's the guy whose legs were healed. Mm -hmm. um, and he would sometimes wake up in the morning just with the sense that he had to drive to a particular town or city would be walking through the town centre. God would sit, direct him to somebody. He'd sit down next to them. There was one time he did that. He literally drove to a town he was not familiar with, sat down next to this guy, and and God, he felt God was saying to him, tell the guy to go home. So he tells this guy to go home, and it turns out that he's a broken man who's left home because everything's gone wrong, and he's a pastor of a church, and he's become uh, defeated by a particular situation or broken by it. And this word was the thing that he was just like absolutely stunned, turned around, went home, was restored to his church and his ministry and stuff. And, you know, that was his turning point. And I think that there's something so glorious about that kind of where God really does intervene for somebody in a way they can't and, and sort also, of wriggle out <laughs> and interview inter, interview in, in a compassionate absolutely way you know yeah. i mean i uh, i think it's uh, incredible and and you know when the bible talks about you will do even 
greater things yeah. than says Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing greater things mm-hmm. than I've done. Wow, yeah. that's mind blowing, isn't yeah. it? But actually, uh, I guess that it's scary to maybe. I mean, you said about when you hear that still small voice, or you know, go here, go mm-hmm. to that town mm-hmm. as your friend did, and even to speak these words, yeah. it's quite scary, and it acquires a bit of courage. It does. But I think yeah. that that when you see the the fruit of it, you know, and what God does, yeah. that's the encouraging bit, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think, you know, I've got loads and loads of friends who um who step out in this kind of thing tentatively and then they come back with these stories of wow this is what happened mm. and it's so exciting but that's the story of the disciples isn't it because mm. well, well you remember whenever jesus sent them out in in the 72 right, yeah. you know and then the, i used to make you laugh you know and he said well you know don't worry but i'm sending you out like sheep among wolves you know <laughs> yeah. now here they are they were already apprehensive <laughs> that's so scary so jesus says well i'm going to send you out like you know, and you're, you're like sheep among wolves. Yeah. What, what do wolves do to sheep? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they invite them to dinner. <laughs> but, but the interesting thing was that even though they go out with that fear and trembling and not having done mm. it before into sometimes very hostile yeah. villages and so on, yeah. uh, but they come back and say, oh, you won't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Lord, Lord. But then Jesus said, well, no sweat. Don't. What are you excited about? But, but they'll tell you what to really get excited about and and that is the fact that your name is written in my book of life so cool you know, isn't that yeah. amazing yes it is i mean jesus took the um the supernatural events that would follow for granted didn't he because he absolutely yeah. knew that was what he'd set them up for but and equally if you if you try and do the christian life outside of that power to do it you're going to fail aren't you yeah. now you've written a whole chapter on the flesh and the spirit mm-hmm. What's the clash? Well, I think the flesh, when spoken of in the New Testament, the flesh really refers to our physical body with its kind of inbuilt natural desires and needs. And so that there is absolutely nothing wrong with it. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? And I was at the spin class the other day um, with my wife and this kind of loud Larry lady who runs it and she's showing us her tattoos and she says, have you got any tattoos? And I said, no, Haley, my body's a temple. And everyone <laughs> starts laughing. I don't mind people having tattoos. I just haven't got any myself. Yeah. Uh, but the point is, the Apostle Paul says, your body is a temple. Mm. It's a temple of the Holy Ghost. And so, um, but the, this, this same body that God wants to indwell and live inside and empower and transform, it also has all those kind of earthly things going on, like hunger, big one, and sex drive, big one, and need for rest, big one, yeah. and all those other things. And sometimes these things clash. Y- yeah, and but we know that if we pursue those things as an end in themselves it leads to death and that's what paul says in romans chapter 8 he says if you fill your if you're obsessed with pursuing the flesh i.e gratifying this body with its various desires and that becomes your obsession your preoccupation that's what your mind will feed on and the end of that is death and um, the pursuit of kind of purely fleshly um, activities and so on doesn't lead anywhere good. And so Paul says, but actually, um, be you know, your mind, let it be set on the things of the spirit. And so have a different mindset. And then that brings life. And it and, and so there's this kind of. I think always a tension for us as human beings who are filled with the Spirit of God to continue to not just start well and have a great moment with God, which we can all remember and (laughs) regale each other with these stories of how God showed up and whatever, but that actually day by day, I make it my priority to put my mind in the place of the Spirit and to pursue the things that God loves. Mm. 90.1 Hope FM and HopeFM.com 
And, uh, of course, my very special guest, uh, Paul White, talking about his brand-new book. If you haven't got a copy of this book, it's called The Christ Thing. Uh, it's, it's loaded with really good theology uh, on all that we are talking about today. And uh, so I recommend you get a, get a copy of this. Um, now, obviously, we talked about this power, which is available to every single believer. But, but I guess, and one of the things that, that would be important to you as a pastor, yeah. that in the middle of, of, of what is a you know, challenging world, you know, with so many um, fear and, and and mental health challenges, and 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 even just morality, you know, going out the window really in many cases, and the, all of the pain and heartache. Here you you have the, the the people of God, and you can see. I guess you can see why the why why God would want us to have all these gifts yeah. to exercise them because they bring hope. Absolutely, they do, and they also bring the God who is sometimes perceived to be remote and far away, bang up close. So if God has revealed um, something about my situation to somebody who doesn't know me and then they come and talk to me and it's like God's talking directly to me, that is a beautiful thing and that's that's worth a million dollars, isn't it? It's just so precious because... It's like, wow, he is there. He's not just out there somewhere on, you know, whatever cloud it is he sits on and, you know, not interested in me. But I guess um, that the, I mean, that, that's it, isn't it? Because the misconception that people have about God, either that stern, you know, mm-hmm. I'm out to get you, yeah, <laughs> um, which is quite the total opposite of mercy, uh, as opposed to the God who actually wants to, to, to be, you know, involved with us right in the mess sometimes of, of our lives absolutely and and i think that's wonderful in the, in the middle of the mess is the opportunity for the miracle isn't it and uh you know i think sometimes <laughs> as well we have these situations which are difficult and god does something which isn't fixed the actual thing we were hoping he would fix but he kind of intervenes in something else in such a incredible way that we, you know, we we realise that he is there with us, mm-hmm. and he's just done a miracle that we barely dared ask for. Yeah. But the big yeah. thing that we were thinking about, he hasn't touched that yet, and that's a yeah, that's always. And of course, I suppose the other perplexing thing is that many of us, you and I included, you know, we have things in our lives, you know, like I have a special needs son, you know, mm-hmm. who, and, and I know that that your daughter has had challenges, and yeah. and we we all have these these. Prayers that we have prayed, which mm. remain unanswered. You yeah. know, why? Why do you think this? I mean, Paul even himself talks about his thorn in the flesh, didn't he? Yeah. yeah what? Wh- how do you reconcile all of that? You know, because there will be people listening to us, and they, and they'll be carrying pain, yeah. they'll be carrying heartache, they'll have people in their families, you know, who they who they've been praying for, but perhaps haven't seen any fruit from that. Yeah, I think that's a huge challenge, and it. It, that that can feel personal sometimes and we can make we can reach conclusions from you know the fact that god didn't fix this situation which was so dire you know that maybe he sure. doesn't love us or maybe that he is far away and many people all. do yeah draw that conclusion don't they and quietly back off you know and so they maybe haven't stopped coming to church but inwardly they've begun to perhaps shut down a bit and not not live with an expectation of God, you know, being close or that he's about to do something amazing. And uh, it's interesting because Jesus touches on that um, and he talks about the time of um, Naaman, the the Assyrian general who had leprosy. And he says, don't you think there were other lepers in the land besides Naaman? But God chose to heal Naaman. Hmm. And I think what God does is he does do significant kind of benchmark interventions and healings so that we have got evidence of his supernatural power and so on around us. Um, but there, I to this day, I still don't know why he doesn't just fix everybody. And, you know, I wonder if we will see times where his... His the miraculous power is more widespread and less isolated incidents. I suppose also that like putting power 
into weak people mm-hmm. is for God himself is quite risky, isn't mm-hmm. it? Because he's trusting us yeah. with that power. And, and I guess that we have got to be responsible in the exercising yeah. of it. And not not begin to attribute it to ourselves. Mm. And I think if we start thinking, yeah, well, here we are. Super Christian. <laughs> here, step, <laughs> step aside, everyone. I've got this. <laughs> you know, and I think that the humility and recognition that it's him and mm-hmm. stepping back and letting the Holy Spirit do the work is all a real big part of it. Now, I mean, obviously, people, here we are, we've been chatting for uh, you know, a wee while then about, you know, about receiving the Holy Spirit. Mm. People listening to us, how, how do they do it? Well, I think the first thing is to to come hungry. I think the second thing is to realise that just as we don't deserve to be saved, that's a gift of God's grace. So exactly the same with the Holy Spirit. It's we come to to a God who already wants to give us. So Jesus said, you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So it's not like he's holding back. It's not like he wants to keep it for certain special people. But really, it's that thing of just saying, God, fill me. Yeah. I'm hungry. Fill me up. Yes. It's sort of like, as you say, pressing in, taking hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of us isn't it and even if we've had those experiences of that enveloping you know immersive experience of the holy spirit but we've kind of it seems to be in the past it's in the rearview mirror well then come again and say god do it again do it again just overwhelm me again with your love and your power and fill me yeah, so that and I mean, I guess that the, that for all of us, that thirsting is important. I mean, you've written a chapter on ho- open heaven. Yeah. So, uh, well, how would you sort of verbalise what what that's all about? Well, I was thinking this morning, actually, completely separate from this interview. I was I was thinking about the time the Israelites lived in the wilderness, and they'd come out of Egypt, where they'd been slaved and uh, been slaves. And they were now living in a desert where there weren't any kind of mod cons and creature comforts. But God provided for them supernaturally. They got bread every morning. The water came out of a rock. um, And when they needed meat, God sent them quail. And they could go out and catch these little birds and cook them and so on. And the idea was that under that, they were under the cloud of God's presence and their bodies were well, no one got sick, um, their clothes didn't wear out and there's a sense that the the, the uh, resources, sorry, even in a desert place, the resources of heaven were available to them and they had like kind of special help and I think we're not in here in Dorset, we're not in a physical desert, but we are in sometimes challenging territory. And an open heaven really is just that sense and that knowledge that God is close. His presence is over us like a cloud, like it was over the Israelites, and that we have access to his resources in our situation. So it may be that we have got to find the money for the rent or something like that, then we go to the same God who put the manna on the ground for the Israelites or sent the quails or made the water come out of a rock and he's he's able to make his resources available to us. This is Hope FM.